Welcome into Locked On Knicks. The New York Knicks might be interested in Grayson Allen of the Milwaukee Bucks, according to some reports. Maybe not the most likable player in the league. So we're going to talk about that rumor, but then maybe find some slightly more likable possible guys around the league that the Knicks could look at headed towards the trade deadline next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. Starts with that five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And of course, if you haven't already, be sure to hit the either the subscribe button on YouTube or the auto download button on your favorite podcast platform. Hit a hit a thumbs up on YouTube, all that good stuff. All those little things help us if you if you're enjoying the show. So definitely be sure to do that so you don't miss any episodes too. Uh, but who are we? If you have, if this is your first time here, I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster, and we are breaking down some rumors today. Gavin Grayson Allen, potentially a Nick's target. Um, yeah, what's the rumor <laughs> there? Wow, you, you could not sound more <laughs> enthused about that. I, I'm I'm kind of surprised you didn't uh, put on your Grayson Allen Duke jersey for the episode, but uh, yeah, I, you know I, I've got I've, so many. I didn't want to pick the wrong one, you know. It's, yeah, uh... no, no, it's your it's your journalistic neutrality shining through. <laughs> um, but uh, friend of the podcast, wow, I wish we we probably just missed the scoop. He was on uh, two weeks ago, Michael Scotto at Mike A Scotto on Twitter, a reporter for Hoops Hype said, I'll, I'll just I'll just read out the whole thing. Uh, New York Knicks swingman Cam Reddish has been benched for 25 straight games and counting under Tom Thibodeau with no end in sight before the trade deadline. Um, the Bucks are one of the teams that have expressed interest in trading for Reddish with trade talks surrounding Reddish ongoing. The Knicks have expressed interest in Bucks starter Grayson Allen, a career 39.5% three-point shooter and expert tripper. Uh, I added that part. League sources told Hoops Hype. Allen's name has come up in several trade discussions around the league, including several three-team trade concepts uh, with Suns forward Jay Crowder, Rockets guard Eric Gordon would end up in Milwaukee. Um, given the frequency of trade cop trade concepts, excuse me, Allen has been linked to involving Crowder and Gordon. It appears more likely he'd be moved, if at all, for one of those players rather than Reddish. However, the Bucks and Knicks have also discussed other concepts involving Reddish going to Milwaukee that wouldn't involve Allen, so a trade between the two teams could still happen. So maybe not the most likely scenario, Alex, so you can you can rest easy. Um, but uh, just purely as a player, uh, what, what would you make of Grayson Allen's fit in New York? I mean, skill set wise, I think I described him before we started recording is he's like JJ Reddick with no redeeming personal qualities. <laughs> like I actually love his skill set. If I'm being completely honest, uh, he just kind of annoys me as like a person and his tendencies on the court. You mentioned obviously the 
the tripping, which he's been doing since his Duke days. And still, I mean, if you watch footage of like, it feels like any game he's in, there's a stray leg here or there coming out. He looks like he's trying to hook his foot under someone's leg and trip them during the course of a basketball game. It's not a great look. Um, but it was it was a Caruso who's like face he broke last year. Yeah. Yep. I'm pretty sure it was Caruso. And yeah, I mean, he's just he's definitely kind of a dirty player, which I guess depending on who you talk to, maybe he would bring some like 90s Knicks grit to the team or something like that was just a little more uh, connivy with how he gets, uh, you know, gets to his uh, his enforcement of justice, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean. Just purely from a skill set perspective, I like him a lot. Like he's playing, he's played a, a really good role. Like the last three years, he played for Memphis uh, in 2020 to 21, and then the last two years with Milwaukee. And he's been pretty. I mean, I I won't go so far as to say indispensable. Obviously, like otherwise they wouldn't be entertaining the idea of possibly trading him. But he plays a good role. Like he's a 27 minute per game player the last two years on Milwaukee you know, a team that has real aspirations uh, to potentially win titles pretty much every year. And he's, he shoots a good percentage from pretty much everywhere. Like really just amazingly consistent the last couple years, especially if we're being honest, like 45% or 44 and a half percent to 45% from the field, uh, both the last two years, just over 40% from three, the last two years on high volume, uh, actually shooting a slightly lower volume this year than last year. Last year, he shot almost six attempts per game, which is a great number for a role player. Uh, this year, shooting four and a half attempts per game and shooting 40%. Uh, he shoots 91% from the free throw line this year in limited attempts, which we know the Knicks certainly need some of that. Um, he plays, you know, again, it's maybe questionable in the tactics sometimes, but he plays, you know, passable defense, I think, uh, which is about all you can ask for. Someone's offering that much on the offensive end. And he moves the ball pretty well. So, like, again, in a in a vacuum, I like the guy. <laughs> but we don't live in a vacuum. Unfortunately, we live in, in the real world. And I just find him to be generally unlikable as a general human being, at least as far as I know him from his the way that he plays basketball. And uh, from that perspective, I would not be the most enthused if the Knicks got him. However, from a pure value and skill perspective, I would get it. Yeah, I think... I think if you're the Knicks and and look, it's hard to find all these things, right? You want someone who can shoot, you want someone who can play defense, but you also want someone who isn't totally stagnant and and can attack a closeout. And to me, he's he's sort of a watered down version of Quentin Grimes in, in all those categories, like except for as, as a shooter, just because I mean Grimes hasn't quite picked it up to the extent that I, I hoped he would this year. I think down the road Grimes will be a better shooter, but his shooters they're pretty equal. And then Grimes is just like like moderately better on defense. Like like Grimes is better attacking closeouts and creating. But Grayson gives you some of that stuff, some of that verve. And like if someone else creates an advantage for him, he's someone who can like like get to the rim and like either finish or or kick it back out, can hit a three, like I, I would argue he's a better defender than a JJ Reck. Not not a great one, but like he he kind of holds his own on Milwaukee. Like obviously on the Knicks, he wouldn't have quite as much protection around him as playing with Giannis and Brooke Lopez all the time. But I, I'm with you. I think he'd be a pretty solid addition. Um, someone who uh I know I know you like even more, Alex, and has no questions about his defense that I want to throw out there is Jonathan Isaac, who came back after an absence that is now right around two and a half years. Um, I, I think it was an injury that was right before the before the bubble, uh, right before the world stopped. 
um, and uh, is back and looked really good tonight against the Boston Celtics, played 10 minutes, four for seven from the field, two for three from three, which is always his weakness early in his career, 10 points, three rebounds, two steals, and an assist. Um, the guy uh, essentially led the NBA in stocks, uh, steals plus blocks, like the last couple years he was healthy of his career is just is just a, a defensive uh, maestro from people who don't remember him stands six foot ten um, can really move his feet super athletic um, makes 17 million dollars a year but that's essentially perfect matching salary to return Evan Fournier to where he's happiest in Magic Kingdom and, and make him um, an Orlando Magic uh, once again uh, to me like again just just looking at the player Alex like I I can't think of a more picture perfect guy for the Knicks to go after. And I guess it's fair for people listening to say like, all right, why would Orlando like a rebuilding team trade that guy? And I guess the only answer is like Isaac potentially like, isn't going to be happy there, like stuck behind uh, Paolo and Franz Wagner and Wendell Carter and Bull Bull for the indefinite future. And sure you could say on the Knicks, like he's, he's not going to start either, but like him is as kind of like, like in a, in a world where the Knicks move off of Obi, like him is sort of RJ's backup and Julius's backup, like playing minutes at the three and four and allowing you to stagger those two guys, like really, really interesting option. I mean, you could even move RJ down to the two down the road and like, and throw Isaac in as your starting three um, and, and him and Mitch defending together, I think would be kind of a, kind of a sight to behold. Well, I'll give my take on that in just a second. But first, if people are interested in a place where they can perhaps bet on whether the Knicks will become less likable after the trade deadline <laughs> via the acquisition of a Grayson Allen or something, uh, you can go to our new favorite place, which is FanDuel. But let's, let's instead talk about a different sport for just a moment. The NFL playoffs are here. And we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all your favorite sports bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Same-game parlays are my absolute favorite, and considering we're going into championship week in the NFL, I think we're in for a pretty cool, pretty fast-paced shootout of a game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. I think that's going to be a really fun game. Uh, I have not checked the exact numbers that I – well, okay, here's – I'll give a selling point for same-game parlay. They give you lots of different options you can pick for how many yards you think a guy can throw for, how many touchdowns you think a guy can throw for, and give you the requisite odds that go with that. So I might I might go a little crazy and say something like Burrow and Mahomes to both flow, throw four touchdowns uh, and pick a couple receivers. Maybe I'll take a Jamar Chase you know, yards over, something like that. And you could build a ticket that could potentially pay you a whole bunch of money. It's one of my favorite things to do. I always call it my my uncut gems bets. I like to, to place a big old bet for like 10 bucks that could potentially pay me like $500 and every once in a while it almost hits it's a great thrill uh and that's all on an app that's safe secure and super easy to use so football fans don't miss out place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets win or lose at fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel official sports book partner of the nfl all right, so Gavin, we are back to continuous discussion. Yeah, I mean, 
again, I get the I get the theoretical fit of an Isaac. Um I think the main thing that would so I guess it all kind of comes back to Tibbs with him. If we're just talking about a pure basketball fit perspective, I wonder if he would view him what I think he should be viewed as given, you know, if he's got the, the stock ability still, you know, if he can still generate the steals and blocks that he was, I mean, his, again, his, his last year before he got hurt in 2019 to 20, uh, he averaged 2.3 blocks and 1.6 steals. That is an insane number. That's almost four, total stocks per game. Uh, if he could do that, I mean, that's that's Mitchell Robinson territory. And I would hope that if the Knicks would trade for him, I would actually want to go almost, I guess it would ironically be sort of like the team that's just tormented the Knicks up and down for the last like two months, the Raptors. You know, essentially throw a lineup out there where you say, yeah, Isaac isn't a pure center, but, you know, he can generate those events that you want. He can protect the rim like you want if he's healthy you know, maybe that's the way to go uh, because then you can you can have someone out there that can generate those things that you want but also can shoot the ball. Uh, I don't know if Tibbs would view him that way, though. I feel like Tibbs would still just be like, well, he's a three or a four. He's not a five. So I can't possibly put him out there, even if he can generate tons of steals, tons of blocks, and protect the rim the way I want someone to. There's no possible way that we could do that. Um, so I think that would be my biggest holdup. However, just purely from an on-paper fit perspective with this team, I, I think he would be a, a good piece to potentially go after, especially if, I mean, if you get out of it for like Fournier and a couple seconds, or I think you could probably pull it off if you made a three-teamer, sent Derek Rose somewhere, sent some expiring salary to Orlando along with a couple second-round picks or something, you know, that mostly the Knicks would furnish the cost of that deal. Maybe it could work. I don't know. Uh, but definitely an intriguing option if if it's something that's on the table. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw this out there and then we can move on. I'm still terrified of a world where Orlando decides to keep him and, and their starting lineup going forward is Fultz, Franz, Paolo, Isaac, Wendell Carter. That's just like, you, you, you don't have an inch to breathe. I mean, that's it's mm. Toronto, like with eight, like everyone on HGH, um, which is just kind of unfair. But speaking of Toronto, um, you you put on our, our master trade list here, two different Raptors that we've talked about a little in the past, but didn't really get a, a chance to touch on in depth. Uh, OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. I think Trent Jr. is probably the more realistic option because there, there are reports out there from from Zach Lowe, and well, and and now I don't want to say it as a report because he, he phrased it as quote I wouldn't be surprised if uh, but but the following sentence was OG demanded a, a similar package to a Donovan Mitchell which of course the Knicks would never give up for OG and and I think like, if that's no what team ter- should give that up for no. OG <laughs> well but let me let, let's just let's just say it how it is like if that's what Toronto's yeah. asking they probably just don't want to trade him right mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. that's probably like the case there and and honestly like i don't think he's worth quite that much i think he's a little overrated he's he's an incredible defensive player one of like like you could you could count on one hand two hands like whatever whatever you want to do five to ten best defensive players in basketball some people would even have him higher some people would say he's a a deep point candidate this year offensively he has not quite progressed the way i hoped and thought he was going to progress early in his career where i thought he was going to be an all-star by this season putting up like 23 24 points per game efficiently because he's had stretches of that in his career and he's a very good three-point shooter 37 percent this year essentially like every year outside of his second year in the league he's been at at least 36 percent had a year at 39 had a year at 40 but his mid-range game alex has kind of t- 
tailed off or like or it's been just inconsistent throughout his career or I, inconsistent is the wrong word it's been consistently like bad throughout his career he's never been better than 37th percentile first position as a mid-range scorer um peaked two years ago as an 81st percentile rim scorer was shooting 69 percent from the rim that season this season just 63 percent at the rim so offensively i think he is what he is and, and it's 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 not anything that blows me away for someone who's that big that strong that athletic like it doesn't totally translate to offense for him uh gary trent jr on the other hand like incredible shooter um having his best season finishing at the rim ever like a, he's a fine defender um i i think he he is the target here but out of those two guys what are what are you thinking in terms of a potential Knicks raptors trade yeah i mean i'm also all in on trent i think that he just offers exactly what the knicks need as far as a I mean, I think we've seen, you know, if one of the, we'll call them the big four in terms of what they offer as far as like the four shot creators on the Knicks of uh, Brunson, Randall, RJ, and quickly, if one of them is out or if one of them is having a particularly off night, it makes life so difficult for the Knicks. And they just need more consistent shot making and guys that can create a shot and like, I don't think Trent is exactly like he's he's not like uh, Luka Doncic out there, like creating his own shot. He's not even, you know, necessarily like he's not Julius Randle or something, but he scores. He scores and he scores and he scores. And I mean, we just saw it against the Knicks. Like that's something he does very well. He knocks down open threes like it's his job because it is, you know, he's shooting 37 percent so far this year. And that is on really good volume, uh, 7.2 attempts per game. And he's done that for f- three straight years now, uh, over, about seven and a half or more attempts per game shooting. Uh, this is actually his lowest, 37% this year is his lowest. He shot 38 and close to 39 the two years prior. Uh, just a fantastic shooter on volume. That's what you need if you're the Knicks. You know, If you could throw a lineup out there where you have RJ still running with the bench unit, uh, maybe you, you have quickly out there with Trent, RJ, uh, Obi, and like either Hartenstein or or Sims. That's or, or that's Jonathan a, Isaac, or Jonathan Isaac. Sure, why not? That's a really fun bench lineup. I mean, that's that's a you know they could score then. You know that's that's great. Um, and you can then you know I don't necessarily know that I trust Tibbs to do this, but it offers you more staggering possibilities. You know of staggering quickly a little more with Randall and Brunson or, you know, staggering RJ more with the bench or staggering Trent in with the starters a little bit. If, if Grimes is a little off, you know, it's like there's more options there for you. And it's less like just kind of right now it feels essentially like the bench checks in. And then other than quickly, it's like, you're kind of just counting down the seconds until they check back out and can make way for the other, the starters to come back in. So um, I'm a huge Trent guy. Uh, I, I think, he would be great to go after that said, you know, I would need to know what the price is going to be. If it's going to, if they're looking for a, for a Donovan Mitchell package for OG Ananobi, you know, if they're then like, well, we'll, we'll take like only a, I don't know what's a just under Donovan Mitchell pack. We'll, we'll take only a drew holiday package for Gary Trent. I would just be like, well, you guys aren't serious. So have fun staying you know have fun being terrible against any team that's not the knicks this year and losing all these games uh you're all done playing the knicks so good luck the rest of the way out uh to close the year but if they'd be willing to talk a deal you know i think if you could give up like 
maybe a couple of those protected picks like Deuce McBride and like salary filler to make it work. Fournier, you know, Rose, whatever. I, that's a deal I'd certainly entertain going after Gary Trent. Um, but Gavin, we've got a few more names to talk about. Let's just take our we'll take our second break real quick and then we'll come back and we will talk about the rest of the names on our list. All right, and we're back talking more uh, names that the Knicks could go after that aren't Grayson Allen if they wanted to be if they wanted their team to stay slightly more likable but get a similar skill set. Um, here's one that I find to be a little polarizing, Gavin, mostly just due to his age, and I feel like acquiring him would say a lot about what the Knicks think their chances are this year or whatever, or like depending on what they would give up for him. Like if they give up a first round pick or something, Trent that I just talked about is still pretty young. So you can bank on like, he'll be around for a few years. Only 23, which I didn't realize. Right. Oh, that's way younger than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So he's quite young. Uh, Whereas this next guy is definitely in the tail end of his career. You're probably getting him as a mercenary for like a year or two. Uh, And that's Eric Gordon of the Rockets. Uh, I believe that I've read that Houston's, uh, price that they're looking to get is a first round pick for mm. him. Yep. Um, at least I would assume that they're probably like starting the bidding at a first round pick or whatever. Uh, I'm kind of curious what you think about him. He's, he's one of the more consistent players, I think in the NBA, like kudos to him. He's actually still put up pretty decent numbers this year. Um, despite playing on an obviously and blatantly tanking team that seems to have basically no structure other than let's just give it to all these kids and let them ISO all day. <laughs> And just see what happens. He's he's literally giving quotes where he's like, I don't think we've grown in anything this year as a team uh, recently. So it seems like the writing's kind of on the wall for him to make his exit. But, I mean, he's actually shooting his lowest, eh, not his lowest, but fairly low from three this year, 34.8%. But still, you know, a, a solid 12-point-per-game player um, that it offers a little bit of distribution as well. And probably at this point in his career would benefit from a change of scenery. How do you feel about potential Eric Gordon acquisition? It just doesn't make any sense to me because the Knicks, like I, I don't see any point in acquiring a guy who's just for this year because there, there's, there's no one that they're going to get who's just for this year. That's going to swing a playoff series for them. Right. So why mm-hmm. like, and, and you know what, if you want to just put guys into a context where things are easier and like, and give Emmanuel quickly more room to develop that way. Like by giving him someone to play off of that's fine for a second round pick or two second round picks, or maybe even three second round picks like Grayson Allen. Sure. Go do that. Or, or cam or you're throwing cam reddish in a second round pick, a guy you're not going to resign anyways. That's fine. But to give up a first round pick for a 34 year old who is, I'm, I'm not sure if he's a free agent. This off, so we can double check that, but um, who's probably going to end up somewhere else like a year or two from now. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. And and Gordon is, I I I love the guy. He's he's always like honestly going back to his when he was at Indiana. Like I've I've been a fan for like half my life now. It sounds crazy to say like I like he was a monster in high school. There's if, if people if people want to like do a fun twelve minute YouTube dive deep dive like like YouTube the time he played Michael Jordan's kids and dropped like fifty on them and like completely embarrassed them. Like he was he was a legend. Um, but to your point, a little a little bit down as a three-point shooter. And that's been overall a trend for him these last four seasons. Like had the 41% last season, but the two years before that, 33%, 32%. So maybe suggesting like 
I, I like that one year aside, Sands Harden, like the, the shooting has fallen off a little bit. Not a great mid-range scorer, is really good at the rim and is like incredibly crafty getting to the rim and is just flat out one of the strongest guards in the league. So that'll always be there. Like I, I think on like a competitive team where he's properly motivated, like still a solid defender, still someone who can move his feet. Like I don't think he's falling off, but I, I think he should be on a finals contender. I, I don't think he makes any sense on the Knicks at all. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, it's like uh, he could, I guess, technically be with the Knicks for one more year. He has a unguaranteed year next year. That said, like, if I'm the Knicks, like, why do I necessarily want to pay this guy $21 million next year? You know, that that feels like, again, something that a contender should be doing. You know, like, a, a that's like a luxury, you know, that you have. That's not something you do when you're still sort of in, like, the team building phase. You know, like, the the early aughts of building a team that hopes to strive for more granted, maybe they would bring him in and he does at least like swing things down the stretch here for them. But it's like, to what end, you know, it's, it would feel very similar to like, and I mean, look, this trade was amazing and it worked out great, but you know, ultimately it was so short lived and it was only good because of how low the cost was, but it would be sort of like the Derek Rose trade a couple years ago. Right. Where it's like, yes, that did work out great actually, but the cost was so minuscule then it was Dennis Smith who was essentially gonzo it, it, and, it was as if they would trade Cam Reddish now and nothing else yeah exactly like basically because they traded like a protected second round pick along with Dennis Smith Jr. like that was basically for free or at least for a guy that they had no more plans for so yeah I guess if you can just flip Cam Reddish and only Cam Reddish for him and not give up anything else maybe a decent move just because then at least you get a warm body that's playing for you instead of someone just sitting on the bench, but there, or, you know, if they're willing to take on Fournier and then take a second round pick or something that kind of helps you a little bit. Cause that clears that amount of space for next year, or at least just kind of fits Gordon into Fournier's salary slot. Um, that said, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not totally sold on going after him. It doesn't really, doesn't really do anything for me uh, just because I, I don't view him as a piece that the Knicks would have for a long time. And, I don't feel like they're in a position to be looking for short, short-term pieces that just help them like in playoffs right now. Um, how about Malik Beasley, though, Gavin? I know that you actually wanted to bring him up when we did this exercise the other day, so I'll throw this to you. Uh, another guy who's on the younger-ish side, I guess he sort of splits the difference between Gary Trent and uh, Eric Gordon as far as he's like sort of in, in like his prime age bracket now. Uh, is he, he's 25, he's 25, but he's about to turn 26. Yeah. About to turn 26. So, I mean, he's sort of starting to hit the prime of his career at this point has been a 20 point per game score at one point in his career. Good three point shooter. I mean, how, how do you feel about a Beasley acquisition from the jazz? The, the ultimate consolation prize, I guess, for not getting ton of Mitchell off the jazz over the summer. Yeah. I mean, the thing I, I, I think the thing that people, uh, miss with him, I, myself included, uh, before looking at the stats here, because I, I can't say I've watched a ton of the jazz this year. I'm out, out of spite. Uh, for no other reason um he is a fantastic overall scorer like he was someone who like, you think of him i'm thinking of someone who, like all right he's putting up like 12 threes a game kind of like a buddy healed but he's not quite that good of a three-point shooter but he makes up for it because he's he's very good at the rim um he's 76 percentile at the rim um extremely good mid-range shooter elite mid-range shooter 45 percent from mid-range that's 80th percentile among shooting guards in the league and can really shoot the three ball like peaked is a 42 percent three-point shooter his uh Third season in Denver, and then again his uh, uh, his fourth season um, during his Minnesota tenure, he shot forty two percent from three. 
Um, so he is, he's a scorer. Like there really aren't a ton of questions about him offensively. Uh, defensively is like a little bit of a sieve, but again, if, if, if he's coming off the, the bench for you, that's, that's okay. That's not really the end of the world. So I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of his, um, I don't like see him as like a must get just because I, I think the, the, like my dream guy for the Knicks, like if, if their skill set, like I, I want someone whose skill set is just a little bit more varied than just scoring, like either brings a little bit of playmaking or a bit of defense and he doesn't really fill either of those needs. So in that sense, like he's not really the perfect guy for me, but if you're just looking to punch up your bench and, and the price is right, I'm okay with it. I think I'd be a little surprised if he was in the category of that you get for two second round picks, but who knows, maybe, maybe Utah just wants to move off him and just wants as many, like kind of like as much pick equity as humanly possible. Yeah. One might think too, that Utah of all teams might sneakily be sort of interested in a cam reddish also, right? Like, if they think, hey, we could bring this guy in, we could play him a little bit, he'll probably get a modest contract offer this coming offseason that we can match and then lock this kid up, you know, and have someone else on like a decent second contract that has room to improve, obviously showed some improvement with the Knicks this year. You know, maybe maybe there's sneakily a, a destination that would look for a guy like that and just be like, hey, you know, we're kind of switching into tanking mode now at this point. We had our weird, surprising, cool start, but Ultimately, the goal has always been Weminyama for the Jazz, and I think that they're going to lean into that more in the second half of the year, trading your like guaranteed really good scorer for uh, you know a, a more slightly more of a project. You know, and a Cam Reddish is probably better uh, for that ultimate goal of of kind of tanking. So if you can stack a few second round picks and get a Cam Reddish and send out Beasley, maybe that's something they'd be interested in. I will just say too, Beasley is a a really interesting player because. If you look just purely at his his splits too, you would almost be like, man, is he even like? How can you say he's a good scorer? He's he's shot thirty nine percent from the field the last two years. But what's crazy with him is that his shot profile is so, is like so modern at this point. Like he is like literally just like rim or three point shot is pretty much like his bread and butter. Like he shoots so many threes compared to his his overall. Um, total of shots last year shot 8.1 threes per game compared to 10.8 total field goal attempts per game this year shooting 8.6 three pointers compared to 12.4 overall field goal so he he slashes 39.9 percent 35.8 percent from three uh and well the free throw percentage doesn't really matter but shoots 84 percent which again valuable to the knicks uh, but then he shoots. He shot last year 39.1% from the field overall, but 37.7% from three. This guy has actually shot almost every single year of his career uh, over 50% in effective field goal percentage, which is quite good. And the last three years has shot 54.7%, uh, 53.2%, and 52.2% in effective field goal percentage, which weighs out the fact that a three is worth more than a two. So he, he's... A, a very good like modern basketball player in terms of his shot diet and what you could get out of him. And again, off the bench, I'd say sign me up if the price is right. Ultimately, it comes down to that though. Like, is the price right? And his, I think his contract is yeah. So it's club option for next year. So that's that's kind of ideal. So you you yeah. kind of get a trial period and then you get to decide what you want to do. And for sixteen and a half million, I think for a player that scores the way that he does is 
not half bad. And if I were the Knicks, I would probably look to keep him on that deal next year. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the question, which we don't really know, and maybe we, we got to hit up David Locke for this. Like, is, is he a meaningful improvement over Evan Fournier defensively? Because if not, like, are you just trading for younger Evan Fournier, basically? Very true. Yeah. Uh, which is a whole other thing, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I you definitely wouldn't want to just make a lateral move like that because there's a reason that Evan Fournier ultimately ended up outside of the Knicks rotation it was the fact that he was that bad on defense despite still being a pretty good shooter as we've seen recently uh so we'll throw two last names out there real quick Gavin just uh, one one uh uh Oak Ack uh always the Nick uh and one regular uh regular old guy that's (laughs) never played for the Knicks uh Doug McDermott yeah Yeah, a Noack yeah not a Novak (laughs) Doug McDermott uh and Josh Richardson um, both on the Spurs. I mean, they've again; those guys are kind of more journeyman types. They've been kind of all over the place. Uh, reputations as three-point shooters. Uh, McDermott has weirdly carved out a pretty good, pretty good spot for himself as like a. I don't know if I would necessarily call him three and D, but certainly a guy that tries hard on defense. Um, even if he's maybe not the most like technically talented guy. But uh, Josh Richardson has kind of bounced around. I was actually really surprised when you read I this of all the things to surprise me. I was surprised he's six foot five. I feel like he never looks that big on the court, but six six six, actually. Yeah, six five, six six, like actually somewhat prototypical shooting guard size. I always thought he was a little undersized, but hmm. uh, similarly shoots thirty six and a half percent from three on about five attempts per game. I mean, it has at times in his career as, as early as last year, shot over forty percent for a whole season. From three, can definitely create his own shot. Um, has had varying levels of success. Peaked probably in 2018-19 with Miami, um, but has proven to be kind of a good bench scorer type player. I don't know. Do you have any interest in those two? I, I feel like they're kind of a nice nice pair to potentially end off on. And maybe a team in the Spurs that would be interested in, you know, if there was any team that was going to be like, here, just give us a few second round picks, maybe the Spurs would be it. Yeah, I think it's I, and I know it was because of a sign and trade and because uh, Philly essentially picked Ben Simmons over him, but still wild that Josh Richardson was the centerpiece of a Jimmy Butler trade is it's like that tells you like he was really, really highly regarded mm-hmm. early in his career. And now, like, I guess what and again, it depends on the price. Like if, if it's not a first round pick, like who cares? Go go get him. Um, and maybe maybe the Spurs would be fascinating having another star Frenchman in Evan Fournier. Uh, who knows um, what, what pops preferences are at this point. But um, he seems to, for whatever reason, really wear out his welcome. Like Dallas had him and you would like on paper, you look at him and you're like, oh, shoot, that's exactly what you want around Luca, right? A guy who can shoot, who can create a little bit, who's, who's gives you some real size and is, is by all accounts, a very good defensive player. And Dallas couldn't wait to get rid of him. And then Boston, like, again, like, oh, another like lengthy defensive player, like perfect. And then Boston took off last year when they traded him for Derek White uh so there's something there that's like a little dicey to me where it's like all right like on paper it all looks really good but why do why do teams never want him but again on paper pretty much like what you would draw up for the knicks right like i said like it's hard to like if you want a guy who can play defense who can shoot and can create a little generally that that's like all right fork over first round pick and probably a pretty decent one but if if like the knicks can get him for a second or like multiple seconds and and fournier or reddish then and and reddish like to your point like the Spurs are kind of the perfect team to take a bet on him. Uh, that would make a ton of sense. And yeah, and then McDermott is like, 
is the uh, it's it's the, kind of the perfect way to end the podcast is like it's just like give me give me a benevolent Grayson Allen like a, a fun fun nice guy who who had a big dunk when, when they played the Knicks right flashing some athleticism mm-hmm. so uh, yeah I'd, I would I would be totally cool getting uh, McBuckets back in the garden. It also makes me feel kind of old that he's now thirty one years old. I mean, granted, yeah. I'm I'm slightly older than him, but. I'm like, dude, I, I thought he was just going to be perpetually like 27 for his whole career. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> granted, he did come in as an as an old rookie mm-hmm. in the NBA. But yeah, I mean, McDermott, McDermott, I would really like. I mean, I, I think if you can get him for a a reasonable deal, I like the fact that he can. He could sort of play the three, four, I guess, like and maybe give you a shooting lineup, maybe in a. He is also signed for two years, so maybe next year in a non-Tibbs world, if if you have a coach that would be willing to throw like a a small lineup out there with more shooting, he could play like a four for you for a minute and go out there and provide a lot of a lot of floor spacing and stuff like that. But he's shown the ability to like put the ball on the floor. He can he can move it pretty nicely. Like I don't think the ball ever sticks to him. He's sort of like a he's not like some maestro that's averaging a ton of assists or anything. But he kind of strikes me as like again, sort of a Grimes light in the sense that, you know, he can attack a closeout and get inside and make a quick pass or whatever. He can keep the ball moving along the perimeter. He just has, I mean, he's the, he's like the coach's son prototype, you know, like literally played for his dad in college. And like, he's just that dude who just makes the right plays and seems to have really just carved out a nice role player status for himself in the NBA. And is I, I would say if you look at his last, four years I, I would say he's kind of peaking right now like he's kind of reaching his peak self where he's shooting just absolutely lights out from three he's been over 40 percent four five five out of the last six years i'm gonna say he's um, kind of like joe harris without the hype a little yeah a little bit and a little little taller probably a little less defensively inclined but has a little better size although he doesn't have great wingspan never has but I don't know. I, again, as you said, like an inoffensively good player. So, so someone I'd certainly like the Knicks to look at. So that's our list. That's our non-Grayson Allen list of players um, that the Knicks could potentially look at. Of course, maybe they'll also look at Grayson Allen. Luckily, we don't have to wait too much longer, about two weeks till the trade deadline. So we'll have you guys updated. And we'll probably do a, at least one or two more shows like this where we just throw names at the walks. It's fun and it's something to do this time of year. So thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.